Hello, everyone. I want to wish all the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day. And, of course, the women at the Compass Church at all our campuses, you guys are awesome. Appreciate you so much. I have invited a very special woman to speak to you this weekend, my wife, Marcia. In a couple of weeks, we have been married 33 years, and I am so still in love with her. You're going to be blessed by her as she shares with you some great principles that are going to help you as a mom, as a wife, as a young lady. Listen carefully to what she's going to say. And then I also want to introduce to you another very special woman in my life, my daughter, Bethany. I am so proud of her. She's grown into such a wonderful mom and wife. And she's going to be talking to you a little bit about how to deal with stress and anxiety in your relationship. So give it up for, to me, two of the most wonderful women in the world, Marcia and my daughter, Bethany. Well, thank you. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of you, too. And I want to say Happy Mother's Day to my own mom, who is watching by Hypercast in California. Um, God bless me with a very sweet and loving mother who I know faithfully prays for me and my family. And I'm also very thankful to have my daughter Bethany here with me. We don't get to spend Mother's Day together very often, so this is a special time, and she's here from Texas with her two little ones. And uh, you'll see a picture up there. That is actually Bethany and I uh, on Mother's Day 1992. Where have all the years gone, <laughs> Bethany? Oh, <no. laughs> time goes quick. Um, well, many of you know that I feel most comfortable speaking in front of groups of elementary children. Um, when Dale announced a few Sundays ago that Bethany and I would be speaking today, my heart sank, and I was just like, oh, no, we can't back out. <laughs> but um, doing this really uh, makes me appreciate even more what my husband does every weekend. And um, I just want to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit more about the man who is your pastor um, I'm so thankful for him, both in his ministry life and his personal life at home. Um, he's a good man with a true heart. And uh, one of the things that I admire about him most is the fact that he is constantly striving to be more like Christ. And he doesn't shy away from the changes that um, God puts on his heart to make in his life. Um, his desire is to live every sermon that he preaches each week. You know, I really do miss him when he travels, but um, I'm always excited because God works through him and in his own life in so many neat ways, and I know that we all benefit because of it. Well, uh, we are in the middle of the super series, and appropriate for this weekend is Super Female. You know, our world puts so many super expectations on women today. We feel the pressure to be superwoman, a well-educated, successful career woman who can juggle responsibilities of home and work. While at the same time being a supermodel, measuring up to the picture of fashion, youth, and beauty that is portrayed for us. Then there's the ever-present demands of the supermom, the mom with the kids who never had meltdowns, always on their best behavior, and she handles every situation with a calm and wisdom, never raising her voice. 
and all the while being the super glue of the family, holding it all together, uh, making sure everybody's happy and getting along. Well, because of all of these cultural expectations, many women feel overwhelmed, and followers of Jesus can lose sight of the life that God intends for us. These high expectations can also lead us to behavior patterns that can become roadblocks to experiencing God's best for us as women and as mothers. Well, the first roadblock that we're going to talk about, Bethany's going to address, and it's the roadblock of worry and anxiety. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't get us anywhere. As a young mom I, with young kids, I spend a lot of time in the rocking chair, um, whether it's nursing, reading stories, or rocking them to sleep. It's during those moments that my mind finally has a chance to unwind, and I start looking down at the precious life that I'm holding, and I just, all the worries and the anxieties flood over me. And I worry about, what if my child gets ill? What if they fall and get injured? Then my mind goes to the future. I start wondering, what school should I send them to? What kind of peer pressures are they going to face? Who are they going to date? Are they going to be faithful followers of Christ all of their days? Well, let's take a look and see what worry and anxiety really mean. Some of the words used to describe it are afflicted with mental distress, agitation, extreme uneasiness of mind, or a brooding fear doesn't sound like a mentality I want to live the rest of my life with, do you? Well, let's take a look at where a lot of our anxieties and worries stem from. Um, Back home in San Antonio, I help facilitate a depression group that we have at our church. And in this group, we discuss a book called Beyond the Shadows, Discovering Hope for Overcoming Depression. And we spend an entire week discussing anxiety. And in the book, It really looks at how much of our anxiety is based on fears that we have, and these fears stem from two basic emotional needs that we all have. Now, let's look at the two needs are the need for significance and the need for security. Now, I want to talk about some of the fears that can threaten our need, first of all, for significance. So if we can look over here, under the need for significance, we have a fear of disapproval, criticism or being ignored, a fear of not measuring up or not meeting expectations, a fear of failure, a fear of being controlled by others. And then under the need for security, let's look at the fears that can undermine that need. There's the fear of rejection or abandonment, fear of poverty, or fear of injury or death. Now, if we go back to uh, the worries that I was sharing that I experienced with my children, The first one was whether they'll have a serious illness, um, get sick. Well, that would play to my fear of injury or death. Um, Then the second worry I was sharing was about whether my children will be faithful followers of Christ. That would play to my fear of failure, failure as a mother. Um, I think that a lot of these fears also, especially having to do with our need for significance, can come from expectations, whether they're expectations of ourselves expectations of others, being uh, family, parents, friends, or bosses, or expectations that we think God has of us. Now, I'd like you to take a moment and look back over um, the list and try to think of 
your top one or two worries you have in your life right now. For most of us, that should be pretty easy. Um, and then if we get it, um, try to think about what, what fear might be underlying that worry that you're experiencing. I think it's important to look at this because if we really want to address our worries or anxieties, we need to know where it's coming from so we can battle it from the ground. So now we know what worry and anxiety is. Um, We see where it comes from, our fears and needs that we have. Now, how does it present itself on a daily basis? Well, oftentimes we're going to see it through through different statements that we make, the what-ifs and the if-onlys. So our if-onlys play to the past, regrets we have, um, thinking that if we had handled the situation differently, the results would have been better. If only I had spent more time with my children. If only I had paid attention to my spouse's needs. There's nothing that we can do to change the past. All we can do is try to move forward and live our lives to the best of our ability the way God has called us to. Dwelling on the if-onlys can leave us distraught and incapable of moving forward. An example could be a divorcee so um, consumed with the failed marriage that they're not able to forge new relations and relationships and healthy relationships with their children, family, and um, new friends that come along. And then we're left distraught and feeling lonely. Um, then let's look to our what-ifs. The what-ifs are going to play to the future. Has anyone besides me ever imagined every bad thing that could ever happen to their spouse or their children and find themselves worrying about something that doesn't even exist Well, I know that happens to me. For me, it's been, what if my husband, a physician, gets stuck by a needle with an infectious disease? Or what if he falls asleep at the wheel while he's driving home late at night from the hospital? Dwelling on the what ifs can rob us of enjoying today and the blessings that God has for us right now. Um, An example could be with a bunch of opportunities that we have that come our way, like Um, job changes or promotions, getting involved with different volunteer experiences, meeting new people. And those fears of the what-ifs hinder us from enjoying these blessings of these new opportunities that can come. So now that we understand all about worry and anxiety and what it's doing in our life, what can we do to remedy the problem? Well, I think through God's word, he shows us that faith and prayer are the answers. Let's look at a few scriptures that speak to our fears so we can get at the root of this problem. And let's see how we can replace our fears with faith. So the first verse is going to be on the screen. It's Isaiah 41.10, and it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So in there, God promises that we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he's with us. He's going to strengthen us, and he's going to help us. And then we have Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, and it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Isn't it so neat to know that God called you specifically by name? He already had a plan and purpose for your life planned. And there's not an anxious thought that goes through your mind that he is not already aware of. Now, God does not promise us as Christians that difficulties won't come, sicknesses, evils happen to us. 
but he does promise that they will not overcome us. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, in there I want you to realize that after he talks about being anxious is the call to prayer. Now, prayer is a tool that we can use to refocus our minds on Christ rather than the worries that can flood our minds. Prayer allows us to focus on who God is rather than the fears that we face. And I think it's really important to try to be purposeful throughout the day to refocus our minds. One good way to do this is write down a favorite scripture or um, a favorite prayer that you have on an index card. Put it next to your nightstand or on your dresser. And first thing in the morning when you get up, you can go over there and look at that scripture and remind yourself of who God is, why you don't have to worry, and um, replace those fears with the attributes of God and who he says he is. Some of those attributes that we can be reminded of are he's a provider, deliverer, comforter, wise counselor, faithful, loving, merciful, long-suffering, and capable of the impossible. And that's just a short list of some of the things God is. Another way that we can give our anxieties over to God is by having a worry jar. Something kind of like this. Um, When you have a worry flood into your mind, you can just go ahead and jot it down on a little piece of paper, fold it up, and stick it in the jar. It's a physical way of us handing over the worries that we're facing over to God. And then as those worries and anxieties come back to us, we can remember, no, I gave that up to God. I don't need to worry about this. And we refocus our minds again by saying another prayer. And as time goes on, you know, it should get easier because we're used to going to God constantly with these worries and anxieties that come. So it doesn't consume us. And also in these moments that I'm rocking my babies to sleep and the anxieties start flooding over me, I remember to pray. And I just go to God in prayer and I try to be intentional about how I pray for my children, and I pray for certain godly characteristics for my children to possess. Uh, For my daughter, I pray that she would um, be blessed with wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and a love like Jesus. For my baby boy, I pray that God would bless him with intelligence, integrity, and obedience. And I also pray that God would help them to be children and young people and adults who would make good decisions in their lives. And then I pray for myself. I pray that God would help me to be the best mother possible for these two little blessings he's given me. And I pray that he'd especially equip me with patience and consistency as I'm teaching these toddlers. Thank you, Bethany. Well, another unhealthy behavior pattern that we can fall into is the desire to take control. This can be a real struggle for all of us, but especially as women, I think. And, and I believe it actually has its roots in the garden. Eating the forbidden fruit, the original sin, was all about Adam and Eve uh, wanting to be their own God, to take control for themselves, rather than depending on God and what he had told them to do. Well, today, our sinful desires really haven't changed, have they? Many times we want that same control over our own lives, but also over the lives of others, especially our husbands and children. 
how many of you would admit with me that there are times that you'd like to control your husband? <laughs> yeah, maybe it has to do with what he wears or some of his habits or how he relates to other people. Um, maybe you want to control how he spends his spare time. You have that long to-do list of projects at home that you'd like done on your timetable. Um, Many conflicts can arise, especially when the wife has a specific idea of how her husband should discipline the children or spiritually lead the family. Trying to control or change our husbands can be done in direct ways or it can be done in very subtle ones, but it's never a good idea. It can breed discord in the relationship and also resentment. Years ago, when Pastor Dale and I were serving in a church in California, they had a week of family camp every summer. And uh, it was about a three-hour drive north and on a lake, and it was a great time. People went fishing and swimming, water skiing, all kinds of uh, fun activities. And you were together with uh, church families. Well, the kids and I, we were so excited to go. Uh, I grew up camping, and to me it was a great adventure and just something that families do. But for Dale, let's just say that even the thought of camping for him was like torture. <laughs> um, and he did not want to go at all. And I did everything I possibly could to guilt him into going. I said things like, oh, you've got to go and get to know the church families better. You should really do this for your children and on and on. And finally, he, he decided to come up for a couple days. And um, he was miserable. <laughs> He was miserable. He was hot and sweaty in the tent. He got bug bitten. His allergies kicked in. You know, his eyes got all puffy and he was sneezing. And he didn't sleep at all, all night. And um, the summers after that experience, well, the kids and I went camping for the week. And he would come up for the day. He'd leave early in the morning and spend the whole day with us and then drive back late at night so he could be in his... uh, in a real bed at night to sleep. And guess what? We were all much happier that way. Oh, trying to control or change your spouse just doesn't work. Sarah attempted it with Abraham. And we can read that story in Genesis chapters 15 and 16, how Sarah actually forced a plan on her husband that was not of God at all. God had promised Abraham that he would have a son, and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. But since they were old and childless, well, Sarah became impatient, and she decided to take things into her own hands. She thought it would be a good idea to have Hagar, her Egyptian slave, bear a child for her. And that's how Ishmael was born. But God's plan, it was so much better. He didn't need human help or human plans. God performed a miracle, and 13 years later, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, the promised son. If only Sarah had believed God in the first place, she would have avoided so much heartache in her own life and also in the lives of many others. The only person we can truly uh, control or change is ourselves by God's help. 
We need to let go of control and trust God to do his work in our hearts and the hearts of our spouses. Let's not get in the way of God's work by trying to control. Well, another area we love to control is in the lives of our children. Oh, if we could only control what they do, what they say, what they think, then we really would be super mom. Well, uh, my children proved to me early on that I should just forget about that idea. Um, I didn't take the advantage or the opportunity to take piano lessons as a child, and I always regretted it. So I was determined that my children were going to take piano lessons. And I had a plan. I was going to start them early. So our oldest son, Ben, um, when he turned five years old, started piano lessons. And every morning early, we would get up before he went to kindergarten, and we'd sit at that piano bench, and I would make sure that he practiced his lesson. And uh, for 10 years, he practiced every day. And he learned to play very well. His teachers always praised him on how well he was doing, especially how technically proficient he was. And over those years, I finally realized that I could make him practice. I could make him learn to play well. But I had to admit that I could never make him love it. I had no control over that. That was something that had to come from inside of him, and it just wasn't there. Once Ben quit taking piano lessons, he never went back to playing. Well, when children are young, it's easier to control many aspects of their lives. Now, uh, Bethany might not agree with me on that because she's in the stage of the little ones, huh? Yes, well, my daughter, who's three and a half, I definitely can't control when she decides that she's going to fall asleep or if she's going to take a nap for that day. Or my little son, who's one, whether he's going to throw every piece of food I give him on the floor. Or my daughter, what she's going to say. The other day, my parents came to visit um, for a few days, and I took her to her day school. I went to pick her up. And I looked at the daily report, and it said, Catalina couldn't stop saying, my grandpa ain't got no hair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the things that they do when they're little uh, might not be life-altering. But as children grow older, the stakes get higher. And we want to control the things that they're exposed to, the friends that influence them, the activities they're involved in, their schoolwork their college and career choices, and on and on it goes. We believe we know what's best for them. We really want what's best for them. But when we try to control everything, we can actually get in the way of God's plans and purposes for our children's lives. Rebecca wanted the best for her son, Jacob. That was the child that she felt closest to. She loved him, and God had told her, even before her twins were born, that the older was going to serve the younger. That's found in Genesis 25, 23. She was in favor of God's plan, but she was not willing to wait for God's way of bringing it about or for God's timing. And we find in Genesis chapter 27 that Rebekah took things into her own hands and she encouraged Jacob to deceive his father by pretending to be his brother Esau so that he could receive the blessing. 
He wore his brother's clothes, and he even tied uh, animal skins on his hands and neck so that he would smell like his brother and feel like his brother because by this time, uh, Isaac was blind. Well, Rebekah's plan worked. Jacob did get the blessing, but there was a high price that Rebekah paid for not trusting God and for taking control. Jacob had to flee Haran because Esau was so angry with his brother, he wanted to kill him. Jacob was there for 20 years, and it appears that Rebekah died during that time. She never got to see her son again. Well, as a mom, learning to give up control can be a difficult thing. Now, I want to be very clear that we should never give up control of our responsibilities as parents to love our children, to teach them God's word, to train them, discipline them, to faithfully bring them to church, to be the godly example that they need and to pray for them. But we cannot always control the circumstances that they will face or the choices that they will make. That's when we need to release them to God and diligently pray that he will be at work in their hearts. And when Bethany finished college in Michigan, she moved home for a year to study at UIC and get her master's degree uh, in social work. And that year was really an unexpected blessing for me. Our relationship with each other really grew that year and, and blossomed. And we had some great talks together, and we prayed together about her future and particularly about a young doctor that was pursuing her at the time. Um, We grew very close, and it it was a time I really treasured as a mom. But all too quickly came a wedding, and I will never forget the day when she and Pablo got into the car and pulled out of our driveway to move to Texas. Now, oh, I wanted to hang on. I wanted to keep her here, but I knew I couldn't. I had to let go release her and and put her into God's hands to continue on her own adventure with God. Well, in some ways, it was even more difficult the day that the Marine recruiter came to our home to pick up our youngest son, Tim, to take him to boot camp and later on to Afghanistan. Once again, I had to let go. I had to trust God, and I had to pray. Many times I've had to remind myself that my children really don't belong to me. They belong to our Heavenly Father. And God is more than able to pursue them, to save, to keep, to protect, to guide, and to deliver them. Well, there's one more area of control that I want us to think about. Have you ever found yourself telling God what he should do, when and how he should answer your prayers? It's hard to admit, but sometimes we act like our way, our plan is the best. We want to control God. I've said prayers like that. Please, Lord, do this for me or or for my child and make this situation change, God. Spare my child from this experience. Oh, and please, God, would you make it happen now? (laughs) And I can forget about submitting to God's will, God's plan, his, his way, his timing. 
And sometimes I find that my requests are for something that's a little more temporary and not really the things that are most important. Do you remember Martha in the Bible? She was upset that her sister Mary was not helping her put on a nice meal for Jesus and all the guests who'd come to their house. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 10 and verse 40, I want you to see what um, Martha said to Jesus. Luke ten forty, Martha said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. While Martha was telling Jesus what he should do, she was trying to control God. But Jesus, he wasn't flustered or angry. And look at how Jesus recognized that it was Martha's worries and anxieties that were keeping her from seeing what was really important. Then it goes on to say in verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha chose to focus on her busy plans and fulfilling the expectations she felt she was obligated to. Martha also thought that she knew what was best, and she wanted to control the situation. But Mary, she chose to spend her time in the presence of Jesus. She understood what was most important and what would last. Our lesson today is all about opening our hands letting go of our fears, our worries, and our control issues, and instead taking those same hands and using them to cling to Christ in faith and in prayer. Being a mom is one of the greatest joys and most fulfilling experiences that we can have here on earth. And you might be feeling that joy as a mom today. But if you have a child that's suffering in any way, um... Of mom, being a mom can also be a very painful experience. You may have a heavy heart today because of a child who has a serious health problem or maybe other emotional or physical needs. Or maybe you have a child who's made poor choices and is struggling with the consequences. Or you might have a child who's wandered far from God. Your loving Father wants you to be encouraged today. He knows your pain. He knows what's in your heart. And even though it might not appear so, God is at work. And he loves your child no matter what age they might be. Cling to God in faith and prayer and don't ever give up and don't ever let go. How many of you would say that at one time you were a prodigal? Maybe you wandered from God, but then at some point you turned around and came back home and now you're a following Jesus Christ. And I'm just wondering if you would be willing to stand and just um, be an encouragement to others here that, uh, that might be praying for someone to come back to the Lord. Um, would you mind just standing where you are? If, if you would say at one time I was a prodigal and I came back to Christ. Yeah, thank you. That's so awesome to see. Our God is an awesome God, and he is in the business of bringing his children back home. Um, And I imagine that in many of your stories, there was a faithful mom praying for you. Thank you. You can sit down.
Well, do you want to be a super female in God's eyes? Or do you want to be super in God's eyes? Really, this is for all of us, not just uh, for mothers. Because we all have uh, our anxieties and worries and control issues. And if you want to do the best that you possibly can for your family, for God's kingdom to make a positive, powerful impact that will outlive you, then it's time to hand over those worries and those fears to God and the desire to control and to cling to Him in faith and prayer. It's, that's something that's a daily, ongoing process. Listen to Deuteronomy 10.20. It says, Fear the Lord your God and serve Him. Hold fast to Him. He is your praise. He is your God. In closing, uh, we would just like to, Bethany and I, lead you in a prayer. If you would be willing to stand. The first part of the prayer, we just want to open our hands as an act of worship and as an act of response to God and saying, yes, Lord, I want to hand over. Maybe God's put something specific in your mind and heart that you need to hand over to him. Uh, A worry, a control issue, whatever it is. And Bethany's going to pray, and we're just going to release, hand over those things to God. And then I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you during that time to close your hands as an act and, and just picture in your mind clinging to your Savior, Jesus Christ, in trust and in prayer that he will take care of you, that he will work in mighty ways and do what we are unable to do. Bethany, would you lead us? Dear God, we just thank you so much for this time to just come before you. And we just thank you for all of your promises that you give us. We thank you for who you are, that you are our guide, you're our strength, You are capable of the impossible. God, there's so many things that are burdening all of us here. God, worries, anxieties, fears, um, things that come into our life, God, that we can't control, but we try to. God, we just want to lift those up to you right now. We don't want to hold on to those. We don't want to live in turmoil and distraught, God. We want to live in your peace, in your comfort, in your presence. God, we just lift those up to you right now. And we just want to keep them with you and ask that you would in turn give us that faith and that peace. And Father, now we're going to close our hands, symbolizing that we will cling to you. We will hold fast in trust, in faith, and prayer, God. Thank you that you are able to do the impossible, that you love us with an everlasting love. Lord, help us to be like Mary. And choose the best, what will last, to be in your presence, to follow your ways, God. And we just love you today. And thank you that uh, you care for us in such a deep way, Lord. We hold on to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.